Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord said to me, Destiny. And I got all excited. Um, I wrote down in my little iPad and I thought, right, this must be part three of my series on destiny. Um, So for those of you that haven't been here for the last couple of years, because it is a couple of years now, on the 7th of November 2021, um, I gave a message called Chosen for Destiny. And that was uh, part one of what God wanted to talk to us concerning destiny. And then about a year later, on the 16th of October 2022, we had Destiny Caught Up, which was part two. And I'm just going to give a little recap of some of part two, because I just need to be a little bit obedient. I don't expect you to remember, but they're all obviously on our website. So what was Destiny Caught Up? Why was that the title? The reason was it was I felt from the Holy Spirit that some of us need to catch up with what God has ordained for us concerning our destiny. Okay? There is nobody, and I say no child of God, that does not have a prescribed, designed, intricately woven destiny by the hand of the master craftsman. Nobody, nobody in here does not have a divine destiny, okay? Now, you may or you may not know precisely what it is, but you have one. If you are a child of God, God does not allow you to exist without a plan and a destiny over your life, okay? And I want you to know that, just in case there's anybody in here who is not sure of their destiny, who thinks that, oh, that applies to everybody else, but I'm kind of just existing. God doesn't do just existing, okay? So I'll say that straight away. Now, if you're in that position where you are unsure or you are a little bit sure, but not fully sure, there's a lot of us there. That's what I will say. So Destiny Caught Up was, it it spoke to that. And in essence, the Holy Spirit was saying to us that there are seasons for every work of God in your life and your destiny works in seasons. Okay? So the question was at the time, what season are you in today for your destiny? And I think it's very important because because there are different seasons, there are different expected behaviours concerning those seasons, okay? So Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 3, does say to us, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven, 
right? A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. So they're seasons. You're all quiet. So the Holy Spirit said that there were three. There were three seasons with respect to destiny. The first season, if you remember, was the revealing season. The season of revealing. In this season, the Holy Spirit is revealing to you what you are called to achieve. Okay? Which includes who you are called to be. That is destiny. What you are called to achieve and who you are called to be. Now, we are all called to be something in this world for God. Okay? Everyone is called to be something, somebody for God, and to do something with respect to their destiny. The example I gave at the time was Acts 9, 3 to 6, where we saw Paul or Saul, his Damascus Road experience, where it was revealed to him what the Lord wanted him to do, or at least that there was something that he needed to do. Um, yeah, I'm not going to read the scripture. Oh, yes, I will read some of the scripture. Verse 4, and he, fe- and he fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, harassing, troubling, and molesting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? How do you call him Lord if you're saying, who is he? doesn't really make sense, does it? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous, and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad, to offer vain and perilous resistance. Now, the reason why I read that is because there, are some level, there is some level of consequence to turn your back on the destiny that God has for you. And when I say turn your back, I mean completely refuse it. And in that scripture, Jesus was saying to Paul, to Saul, it's going to be not very good for you if you don't do what destiny is calling you to do. Okay? So that's the revealing season. And then we have the shaping season. This is the season where the Holy Spirit has to get you into shape to be able to walk in your destiny. So we're never, we don't ever start off as a finished article. Okay? God likes to take the raw material and mould it. All right? And it's true for your destiny. He wants to shape us into what he wants to do. The master craftsman. Acts 9, 15 to 16. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the descendants of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer 
for my name's sake. We'll get into it in a bit, but there is sometimes some level of adversary, let's put it that way, or struggle um, in, during that period. And then the final season is the season of becoming. Now, this is a season when God separates you from those around you and begins to elevate you into your destiny. This is where you really start to show what God intended for who you are to be. Okay? And you shine. But it is unto God's glory. Um, We may get into that. We're all called to become somebody. We all are already somebody in Christ. But God wants to move us from glory to glory. Okay? So mediocre, staying as you are, is not God's plan for you. And if you feel you're just existing and you're staying where you are, we will pray. (laughs) All right. So that one is Acts 13, 1 to 3. And I love this scripture because it is so like the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 2 where it says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Separate now for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they put their hands on them and sent them away. God uses all kinds of methods to separate us and to make us ready for what he wants to do. Let's not resist. So, that's a recap. Now, I thought, when the Lord said destiny, that this would be part three. But he said, no, it's not part three. I don't want part three. Part three is not ready yet. Or we're not ready for it yet. Okay? And then he said, instead, I want you to talk about Abraham's walk. Okay? Abraham's walk. And I thought, ooh. That's not one that I've thought of. And I said, why, Lord? Why do you want us to talk about Abraham's walk in particular? And he said this. He said, because it is the story of a believer's journey of destiny with me. Where he has, the believer, made a decision to completely go along with me and believe me for everything. Now, those are the ideal circumstances for God to bring an individual into the moment of destiny, where that individual has made a decision to completely go along with the Lord and believe him for everything. And this is why God wants us to look at Abraham. I don't know where to start with this, to be honest. Now, I'm going to try and <laughs> keep this short because I think that it is necessary, but we'll see. All right, so let's summarize a little bit then. When we read through Genesis 11 24 to 32 and Acts 7 4. 
we see that Abraham, okay, not Abraham, Abraham, okay, at 75 years old in Genesis 12, 1, after the death of his father, Terah, who lived to 205 years old and begot Abraham at the ripe old age of 130. So he was definitely not the child of his youth. I can say that. Okay. Now, a lot of biblical commentary thinks that Abraham was the firstborn. Okay. But actually, he was the lastborn of three sons. It was just that in the scriptures, his name was mentioned first because he was the most prominent of them. But he was the youngest, the baby of the family. Haran came first, then Nahor, been the second born. Now, I believe Haran was of a different mother, even. But they were all terrorist sons. But Abraham, but Abraham, Abraham was and is the youngest of them. There's some importance to that. Now, Haran died before his dad, okay? Um, which I can Im- only imagine how bad that is to have to bury your own son. So let's take up the story in Genesis 12, 1. Now, in Haran, which was the land named after Terah's firstborn son, the Lord said to Abram, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Now, the thing about destiny is that it is always to be for our advantage. Sometimes, but not necessarily immediately, but always in the long run. And the reason is, God is good. Okay? So you can... So you should not see your destiny ever as being to your detriment because that isn't the way God is. Okay, he just isn't. Some of us might need to pray to have understanding concerning what God is saying or pointing us to. But it is good because God is good and it is well because that's the way God does what he does. Now, in the case of Abraham, God knew that he could not achieve his destiny within the constraints of his father's house. So here we have Terah, who actually passed away. And then Abraham decided to leave okay, for the land of Canaan. Now, this is really important for us to understand because God is wanting us today to look at Abraham and to look at how he walked to see 
ourselves in it. A lot of the time when someone gets up and preaches about Abraham, Moses, um, Elijah, Elisha, there's a disconnect because we don't see ourselves in these great men of God. But not today. Not today, right? You need to see yourself in this, right? And the reason I say it is because God deliberately picked this guy out because he knew that the father of our faith, everybody was like, whoa, how can we be like him? Guy weren't perfect. And he had his struggles, which we'll get on to. And it straight away then helps us to knuckle down to see, okay, if he had his struggles and I have my struggles and he did this that was right, then I can do this. I can follow his lead. Okay? I guess that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. God always wants to get the glory and he doesn't want anybody else to say, I made you. So he will often call you out of even a family. He may call you out of friendships. He may call you out of businesses. He may call you out of something where somebody in there would like to take responsibility for you and your success. All right? He doesn't want any man to share in his glory. This was partly what this was, but there was much more to that. Now, the Lord said to me that they did not expect Abraham, Abraham to survive on his own. Okay? Now, when you look at this, there's no scripture to actually exactly support what I've just said. But then when you look at the scriptures around it and you see the situation, you can understand what was going on. Okay? The journey from Haran to Canaan. So Haran today is the southern part of Turkey. Okay? And Canaan is modern-day Israel. Now, that journey is approximately 400 miles, give or take, okay, which is really, and it's a really difficult long journey when you consider Abraham would have, Abraham would have been partly walking and going on a camel, okay, with everybody, with Sarai, with um, Lot, with all of their livestock, you can imagine, 400 miles, okay, and it wasn't like a nice paved road, so it would have been difficult. It would have been tricky. There would have been enemies potentially along the way. And his relatives, those that were remaining, would have been saying, why are you doing this? What's going to happen to Sarai if you get attacked? What's going to happen if you, you lose your way? What's going to this? What's going to that? They wouldn't have understood why he needed to go. Okay? And they would have tried to dissuade him. Listen, whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to do and you know it's to do with destiny calling, do not put it off. Just obey it. Right? Because hidden within that obedience to do that thing is something. Okay? Don't let anyone dissuade you. Don't let your own mind dissuade you. And I, and I really do mean that, because some of us 
there's something enormous potentially that God is saying, that's what I want you to go and do. I want you to get involved in that. That's for you. And we're like, whoa. And in the natural, when we do the maths of it all, we're like, no way can I do that. Okay? And that's true. No way can you do that on your own. And verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favours, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Here he is. God with us. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's a clap. And curse him who curses or uses insolent language toward you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. Now, the Lord said this to me. He said, Abraham was only interested in obeying me and believing me for my promises. His eye was on obeying and believing God for his promises. That's what we need to be. Okay. Now, many commentators say there were four promises in there. But actually, I counted seven. I will make you a great nation, number one. I will bless you, number two. I will make your name great, number three. You shall be a blessing, which is different to I will bless you. That's number four. Okay? I will bless those who bless you. Number five. I will curse him who curses you. Number six. It's a promise. And then number seven, in all the families of the earth, shall you be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that's seven promises he made to Abraham. Now, I believe that the key element for us along destiny's journey, okay, because it is a journey and we need to see as a journey that we need to travel, is to obey God and to believe God for what he has promised. One without the other will not cut it. Okay? There are so many destinies that are not achieved or not achieved in the fullness because of this. All right? Now, a week ago, the Lord said to me, I want to do a complete work. And it's been resounding in my head for the last seven days. I want to do a complete work. You need to allow me to do a complete work in your lives. Okay, it's great to have a part work, right? But it is not what God intended. And I remember last time I was talking about destiny, it was a case of saying, well, look, if you don't become, then I can't become. Because we're all connected. If you don't become, then I can't become. If you become only 50%, then I might not even get to 10% because we're all connected. You becoming impacts everybody else becoming. 
So you've got to, we've got to, all of us have got to push, 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 push to see the fullness. And that's easy for me to say, but it is the reality of what God is saying to us. All right. So Abraham departed as the Lord had directed him. And Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when they left Haran. 75 years to start your journey, destiny's journey. Some of us need to take joy in that. Right? Seriously. If you're thinking you don't know, 75 he was. So, this was the season for Abraham to be revealed to concerning his destiny. The Spirit was revealing to him what he was called to achieve and what he was called to be. The interesting thing about this was, this was not the first time. Now, Stephen made this clear in Acts 7, 1 to 4. And it says this. Then the high priest said, are these things so? And he said, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved to this land in which you are now dwelling. So what do we make from that? What we make is that Abraham must have been thinking on what God first said to him, but didn't act on it. Now, this is why I'm saying to you, you can see yourself in Abraham. Because that guy heard from the Lord previously, way before. Now, the thing about the revealing season is that it's a season. God doesn't come one time. He comes one time, then he comes two times, then he comes three times, maybe four, maybe five, maybe six times. But he keeps coming because it's a season. It's not one day. Because he knows what his queen should do is tough for you to get it. And you have to negotiate with yourself to get to the place where you can accept his offer. That's Abraham. The father of faith. Right? You see what I mean? That's Abraham. Now, I don't, no, I'm not judging Abraham, right? I'm not, far be it for me, to be in that place. Perhaps he did not immediately obey because he was trying to pluck up the courage. Or perhaps he was looking for further confirmation. Or perhaps he was waiting for the right time. I guess we can all relate to this. 
But one thing is for sure, he did make up his mind to trust God, okay? So if you're in that place where you are thinking, trying to make up your mind, Lord, I hear you, but Lord, how am I going to do this? What's Pastor Rod going to say? What's, what's my husband going to say? What's my wife going to say? How do I do this? I get it. And the Lord gets it. The Lord gets it. Honestly, he gets it. But he's not saying you're doing that alone, son. He's not saying you're doing that alone, daughter. He's saying me and you, we're together. We'll get on to that. Me and you are together. Trust me. Trust me. Some of us have buried this thing and have all but forgotten it. And today, Deji has just dug it up. Oh. Right? I've just put a spade in the ground and dug it up. I've dug up that bad boy and now it's there again. <laughs> there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. Remember, God's plans are perfect. What are we going to do, Lord? There's nowhere where you can hide or run from God's love. Okay, so the shaping season. Let's look at the shaping season for Abraham. So, in Genesis 12, 10 to 20, I'm not going to read it all out. I'm just going to comment on it. Here we have Abraham go into Egypt with Sarai because of the famine. Okay? Now, there's no way, no easy way to say this, but he actually lied about the situation. Okay? Abraham's expedition to Egypt resulted in fear, falsehoods, and failure. It appears that Abraham's first... No, let's not put it that way. It appeared that Abraham's trust in the Lord wavered. Because he was afraid and because he felt the need to tell a lie. This is why I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, look at Abraham carefully. He's not superhuman. Now, I'm not saying that there's anybody in here telling a lie. <laughs> but I am saying the capability is in our members to do so. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Now, let's look at why. Abraham was afraid that because of the beauty of Sarai, that the Egyptian men in Pharaoh's house would kill him for her yeah I can see I can see why he would be a little bit afraid but look at how God has brought you but God got angry when Sarai was brought into Pharaoh's house as some in some sort of harem and the plague came in 
Pharaoh had it and his house had it. And Pharaoh came to know. But you know what? One side looks at God being angry concerning that. The other side looks at God intervening and delivering Abraham and Sarai from what could have been a genuine personal hazard. All right? Now, what does then Abraham do when he was booted out of Egypt by Pharaoh, him and all his kit and kin? Listen very carefully. He journeyed from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord and repented. Look at what happens when you humble yourself The shaping season can continue. Okay? God was refining the man. Listen, in order for you to get into your destiny, you must face some fears. You must face some threats. It's just the way that it is. God is not putting you into a place that is beneath where you are currently. He's putting you into a higher place with bigger demons. And some of the demons are in you. They're not necessarily external. (laughs) Okay, let's look at Genesis 13, 1 to 18. So here, God has blessed Abraham and Lot extraordinarily with abundant flocks, herds, and people. Okay, but unfortunately, this leads to strife and division between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen, making it unreasonable for them to continue to dwell together now what does Abraham do he says let's separate but Abraham graciously allowed Lot first choice of the land admittedly Lot chose badly but he was given a choice we discover that the graciousness of Abraham diffused the situation and is rewarded by being given further assurances by God that all the land within his vision would be for him and his descendants. So what does he do? What does he always do? He built an altar to the Lord. I'll go into the altars in a minute, but it's really interesting. This element of altar. Now an altar we get is a place of sacrifice. But it's more than that. It's a spiritual meeting place. Okay? Before a spirit can interact in the domain of this earth, which is man's, there must be a negotiation place. There must be a place where humanity meets divinity or humanity meets the spiritual realm. And that is an altar. So Abraham made an altar because he knew that he could come back to that place and meet with God. It is, a, I repeat, it is a place where humanity can meet with divinity. That is what it is supposed to be. But in the demonic realm, they have taken that 
and used it to be a place where they can meet with demons and satanic powers. Okay, but it is a force for good. That is its purpose. So when I say altar, don't be thinking, oh no, that's witchcraft, isn't it? That's no, 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 no. That that's the the, the the intended purpose. Okay. So during this season, God will allow there to be challenges. Okay. We must learn to recognize what challenges from the Lord and what challenges not. Even fights. I mean, if we look at it, there's one set of circumstances which I didn't put in here. And that was when Lot got caught up in the king of Sodom and the four other kings who wanted to make war. Okay, And all him and all of his stuff got taken. And Abraham, the father of faith, had to pick up his sword and got his track, his crack troops from his house, and they went after these guys. They had to fight hand to hand. Okay? There is a time of warfare in your shaping. God trains you how to fight. Okay? Do not neglect the fact that warfare is necessary with regard to destiny. Let me say that again. Warfare is necessary. God does not want you to get to the plains of destiny and not know how to do hand-to-hand combat. He will train you in the shaping. You must learn. We must learn. Some have gone early when they've reached the plain, gone home early when they've reached the plains of destiny because they did not know how to do Spiritual warfare. They did not know how to handle themselves. Or they weren't prepared to do what they used to know how to do, which is probably a better estimation of it because God's not going to release you to a place if he thinks you're clueless. Listen. If you're not feeling well, you've got this great job and you're plagued with headaches, rebuke that thing. Don't go to the doctor and get some pills. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm supposed to be well in my body so I can stand and glorify the name of the Lord in this job. Right? If you're in the public eye and you're getting all kinds of Instagram this, Instagram that, haters and all of that, rebuke it. Just speak to it. Use the authority that you've got. I'm serious. We may be in the world and we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We carry a supernatural power greater than the world. Rebuke the spirit that's in the world. Don't act foolish in your time of times. Call a brother. Call a sister. Call me. I love to get angry in the spirit. Do the warfare. Do the warfare. I say it and I say it again because the Lord told me this year CCF needs to do more warfare. Yep. Challenges may come. 
but the opportunity to learn, grow and mature into the man or woman of destiny that he requires is there for you. We must allow this process. Even Abraham messed up along the way, but he did not derail his destiny because he humbled himself and went back to God. Okay? The Lord said this to me about Abraham, and I loved it when I heard it. He said, Abraham always walked alongside me and never broke a step with me. He was always in step with me. Now, I examined that because I thought, oh, yeah, but you messed up. But that's not what God is saying. Yeah, you're going to mess up. But to be in step with the Lord means that you remain in the timing of the program, the plan of your destiny. You do not step out of it. God makes a step, you make a step. There is a harmony, there is a in-step, there is a rhythm, the way God moves in your life and you stick to it. If you fall, you still stick to it. You will rise. He never broke a step with me, he said. He was always within the timing of God for God's plans. We'll have a look. If you don't believe me, we'll have a look. When we miss what God wants to do through unwillingness or just disobedience, we can fall out of such timing with God's plan. Or we can miss it altogether. This causes delay. Now, I know I'm speaking to some people in the house where there is delay in their life, okay? Now, if it's because you said no, you were disobedient, repent. Get back. God has many ways of doing many things. He has fast tracks. He has slow tracks. He makes tracks. He has angels of restoration. He has people who he knows he can speak to and say, go and help that brother, go and help that sister, intercede. He has all kinds of ways. But don't sit without humbling yourself and going back to him and saying, Lord, I messed up. I repent. Right? That's the key. Okay. So he always walked alongside God. He always kept in step with the Lord. I love that analogy. But there is something about how we walk. This is what we're going to get onto now. Okay, Genesis 15, 1, God's covenant with Abraham. Now, I'm going to read it, not all of it, but some of it. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, let's get to it. Fear is the opposite of faith. Okay? I'll say that straight off. So it's no surprise that the Lord would say, do not be afraid. Verse 2. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. 
Now, technically, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing that, and we'll get onto that as well. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, this honestly makes me want to cry. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? This is what you're hearing here. Is a negotiation. It is a communication between friends. So I'm going to skip down to verse 17. So God made a covenant with Abraham, okay? And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces, those pieces of quail and whatever else it was. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates. Now, God is a covenant keeper. Can you imagine the magnitude of God actually walking through the pieces of the divided animals, right? You probably would have seen his footsteps in, in the blood. I don't know. Basically to say to him, listen, I will make a covenant with you, my child, so you will know with all assurance that I mean what I say. And no one will be able to break it. The covenant that I make with you will be with your seed. Now, the Lord said to me of Abraham, he said this. He said, Abraham's style of walking or his gait was to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? And I thought, what on earth? And Lord said, yeah, that is his style of walking. Full stop. Whenever I spoke to him, he would walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For we walk by faith. We regulate ourselves and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting Man's relationship with, to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk, not by sight or appearance. Now I need to explain. The pattern of how you walk is called your gait. Okay? The pattern. In the physical, your gait is important because it determines the effectiveness and the efficiency of your walk. Okay? A normal gait pattern depends on a range of biomechanical features 
called by the central nervous system for increased energy conservation and balance. Right, so normal gait is supposed to be an efficient way of walking. Human gaits are classified in various ways. Each gait can be genuinely categorised as either natural, one that humans use instinctively, or trained, a non-instinctive gait learned via training. The complexity of gait arises from the need to adapt to expected and unexpected changes in the environment, changes in walking surface or obstacles. Okay? Sensory information provides important feedback related to gait and permits the adjustment of a person's posture or foot placement depending on situational requirements. When approaching an obstacle, visual information about the size and location of the object is used to adapt the stepping pattern. Okay, that's normal. That's normally how we are to walk with a normal gait. Okay, the physical. An abnormal gait is a result of one or more of six tracks being disturbed. These six detriments, no, determinants of gaits are pelvic rotation, pelvic tilt, knee flexion at stance phase, foot and ankle motions, knee motion, lateral and pelvic displacement. This can happen developmentally or as a result of some neurodegeneration or injury. Okay, so an abnormal gait can be caused by these things. And what that will do is that it will make you walk in a way which is less efficient. And it can create sympathetic injuries because you're not walking in a normal gait. Now, the Lord said to me, Abraham had a normal gait spiritually. Okay? <laughs> He said to me that when we don't completely walk by faith, that means we are walking abnormally to him regarding his word and our spiritual walk. It is abnormal for us to walk by sight and not by faith to God. It's an abnormal gait. It is not what God has prescribed for his children as normal. Then the Lord said this to me, he said, I have given you everything you need in Christ to enable you to walk correctly. Everything I've given you. You should not have a gait that is abnormal, for Jesus has done it all. He will correct it. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. 
Now we know about faith. It comes by hearing and hearing, I say, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Mm. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. What is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. God has given us everything in Christ to adjust or correct our gate. Abnormal, he said. I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it. He said, yeah, when I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Abraham thinking, yeah, he's walking right. What's up with you? What's up with that walk? That's not some ghetto walk. That's just abnormal. It's abnormal. Yeah, this works. Lord is not playing. It's a funny walk to the Lord. It's funny. He's looking. He's thinking, whoa, Debbie, what's that? Why are, you, why are you looking physical stuff? What's my word say? Where's your expectancy? My word says this. Where's your expectancy? Don't just be reading the word. Do it. Faith is action. Is now. I mean, we all know. But we need that gate changed, some of us. We need it changed up real soon. Hmm. And the Spirit said this to me. He said, Abraham, he was motivated by nothing other than my presence. He was motivated by the presence of God. He was like, I must be in the presence of the Lord. And I looked and I thought, oh, really? And then the Spirit showed me. He built altars whenever he encountered the living God. Because he wanted to say, I can come back to that place. That place I met with the Lord. That's a place of meeting. That's a meeting place with my God. I must catalogue that place. Genesis 12, 7 to 8. The first altar. God affirmed his promise. So he built an altar of praise. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Second altar. Verse eight. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai on the east and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So here you have number one altar where God has affirmed, spoken to him. He says, right, meeting place number one. Number two, I will create a meeting place of prayer in another place to meet with the Lord. That's number two. Number three, Genesis 13, 17 to 18. The Lord says, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees in Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. He did this so he could enjoy 
the peace and presence of God. The man was building altars left, right and centre. He didn't want to go to a place and then not to be an altar of God somewhere close where he could meet with the Lord. He wasn't playing. I must be in the presence of God. Don't forget, he's not got the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. He has to physically create a place on earth where he can meet with the presence of God. Right? Where we can sit on the toilet seat and call on the Lord and boom, we're in the presence. There's no way we should not be looking at this guy. Man was building altars, coming back there, repenting there when he needed to. Think about it. At that time, who was crying out to God but this man? Listen, the whole of heaven must have been staking themselves on him because he was the solution to God's people. The guy meant business. That's why God says, look at Abraham. The Holy Spirit said to me this, he said, he was willing to give me whatever I asked of him. He was willing. We all know what I'm going to refer to. Genesis 22, 10 to 13. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took hold of the knife to slay his son. We haven't even really got there, but we have got there. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, here I am. I mean, so casual. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. That statement, don't lay your hand on him, right? Or go do anything whatsoever. Because Abraham got it into his mind to obey, to obey, to obey, to obey. Remember what we said? So he's thinking, okay, I won't, I won't lay my hand on him. There must be another way I'd slaughter this child. But I've been given the instruction for the Lord and I'm going to carry it out. That's why the angel said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear and revere God, since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son, that Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering and an ascending sacrifice instead of his son. That he would have given anything if God had asked it and he proved it there comes a time when God is going to test you it might be in the shaping it might even be into the becoming which we'll get into he will test you to see that he's still your God right and if you think that that's not going to happen to you remember not a single part of God's word is he going to change not even for Emmanuel No pun intended. He's not. So he has to use the same processes and procedure to get his will done. Now that is good and bad. (laughs) But it is the truth. He will come and test you, daughter. He will come and test you, son. 
He will come and test the church itself. And I'm speaking to you, CCF, the body of believers in it. He will test you. In your moment of destiny, he will come test you. And if you haven't been tested by the Lord, you have yet to understand what living really is. We need to be ready to give God whatever he asks. Holy Spirit went further. He said, this man did not let anything stand between him and me. I haven't got a word for that one, but this is what he said. <laughs> Didn't let anything stand between him and his God. I mean, that's actually proved by the scripture I've just read. Even his own son, who he waited a long time for. He didn't let anything stand between him and his God. Hear me clearly about this. Just because God gives you X doesn't make that thing more important than the Lord. It could be a maternity ward full of gorgeous babies. It could be a supermarket ready to feed the starving. That thing is not more important than the Lord. He is your first love. Nothing should stand between you and the Lord. I don't care what destiny he's called you into. Do not think that he will allow something to take his place or not even that, something to get in his way. He will not do it. He will not do it. He will test it. Now, the Holy Spirit said this. He said, I want you to examine what the journey of faith looks like for Abraham started at one level and progressed. What does that journey look like for you? Okay. He wants you to, he wants us to examine. And the reason why he said this is because Abraham started somewhere. He started in that place of, Telling one or two fibs, being afraid yeah. to that place where God could ask for his son and he'd, he'd do it. It's a progression, the Lord said to me. It's a progression. <laughs> the season of becoming. Genesis 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, complete. And I will make my covenant, my solemn pledge between me and you. And you will multiply and, sorry, me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, behold, my covenant, solemn pledge is with you. 
and you shall be the father of many nations. The magnitude of those words. I mean, it's just on the page, but the weight. The guy was on his face before the Lord. And then the Lord spoke. As for me. That's like, I can just see the Lord putting his hand in his heart. As for me, the Lord thy God. Behold, my covenant is with you. You. And you shall be the father of many nations. It's like God is staking his entire reputation on that. Nor shall your name any longer be Abraham, high exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. For I have made you the father of many nations. Not a single baby had come from Sarai's womb at that point. But the Lord had proclaimed something that was impossible for not to happen. It was impossible. He would break the earth in two before he would not let that thing come to pass. You have to, you have to see Israel, the whole world is blessed because of what God is doing and what he's done through that small band of people. Okay? That is like... No wonder he was on his face. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I mean, that's like telling you who you are, really. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting solemn pledge to be a God to you and to your posterity after you. And I will give to you and to your posterity after you the land in which you are a stranger going from place to place. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Now, I don't know who is foolish enough to go up against Israel, but I'm telling you, Canaan is much bigger than modern day Israel, by the way. Iran, Iraq, all of this. Saudi. <laughs> Can you believe it? God is, 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 I mean, I'd love to read the rest of it, but I'll leave it there at that point. He changed his name, okay? In order for you to become, God has to give you a new title. Because the title fits the job description, right? Abraham to Abraham. Sarai to Sarah. Mm -hmm. 
You think that when God designed your destiny, he was just playing a game. He was shaping heavenly things. Putting an order in place. You have to become. You have to become. Now I'm going to, I think I'm going to leave it there because I think I've said uh, what needs to be said. Okay. Remember these things, okay? Remember the gate of your walk before the Lord, okay? It's not... The only thing pleasing to God is faith, okay? It's impossible. It's impossible. It's not possible, okay? That sounds more like we will try. It's not possible, child, to please God without faith. If you walk in front of the Lord in a earthly way that does not include faith. God will think, there's something wrong with you. You'll say, that's outside of my design for you. Remember Jesus? Remember what he did? God loves us, but he knows when to tell us to go and study. He knows when to tell us that we need to change certain things. Now I'm going to pray a little bit now about this because I was like, Lord, I want to deliver part three of this. And Lord says, no, 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 no. They're not ready for part three. Go back to part two. This is actually part 2.5. Because I've literally just gone through part two, the essence of it, but with another example. The first example was Saul to Paul. This one, this one, this Abraham one is is actually troubling me in places because I can see how he struggled and how we struggle and how much we are like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. The word that is true, true from the beginning. Lord, by divine order, I speak to the destinies in this room in the name of Jesus. And I unlock the desire to maintain rhythm and step with you father with respect to destiny I bring back in line that which has fallen out of line and I command the gate of each brother and sister that may be abnormal to shift to be normal in Jesus name for we walk by faith and not by sight 
I destroy the lies and the perceptions of the world that have dogged us and deceived us from the reality of who we are in Christ with respect to destiny. Lord, you have woven a tapestry of our destinies into your will and purpose. For this time, and it is for the end time harvest. I call everybody who has fallen asleep in their destiny to awake daughter, to awake son. Get back on your feet. I speak to the demonic realm. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You are a liar. And in the name of Jesus, let every voice that you have been using to torment or to ridicule God's children be silent in Jesus' name. I pray strength to my brothers and sisters. Strength to you. Revitalization by the Spirit of God. May we all glorify your name in this, Lord. Now I leave it up to you, saints, to claim your God-given destiny in this atmosphere. Claim that which is your birthright. Claim it. Claim it. Reclaim it. Unlock God's goodness in your destiny. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 